Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back at it again. Episode 117 for the love of the game. Let's get this rolling. Yeah, sometimes we laugh and sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now, baby. I took a half and she took the whole thing, slow down, baby. We took a trip, now we on your block and it's like a ghost town, baby. Where did these be at when they said they're doing all this and all that? Tired of beefing you bums, you can't even pay me enough to react. Up in the crib, and sometimes I don't even know where I'm at. Please don't pay that songs in this party, I can't even listen to that. Anytime that I run into somebody, it must be a victory lap. Hey, Shotty, come sit on my lap. Hey, they say a Drizzy just snap. This in between us is not like a store, this isn't a closable gap. Hey, I see some. Attack. Welcome back, welcome back. It's episode 117 for the love of the game with your boy ATH. I'm back in the saddle. Scheduling has been a little weird. I wanted to get a uh, NBA Finals preview to break down the series before the series started, but you know the calendar is what it is. We had Fourth of July weekend, stuff was going on. Never really got a chance. We're back. We're back, and we have a lot to talk about. There's going to be a lot to discuss uh, about the NBA Finals. We're going to be bringing back a recurring guest to discuss all the things that are going on in the NBA Finals. Game two last night. Uh, Suns come away with it. They're up 2-0 in the series. It's been an interesting series. There's a lot to discuss. First thing, before we get into that, wanted to talk about one guy uh, who should be a way bigger story than he is uh, in the sport of baseball. We're going to switch it up a little bit, and that's Shohei Otani. All right? Shohei Otani is uh, playing for the Angels right now. He's hitting. He's pitching. And he was named an all-star for the first time in his career. But, but more importantly, he was the first guy to be named an all-star as a pitcher and as a hitter. All right, let's, um, let's think about that for a second. He's playing at an above-average all-star level in two positions, all right? So, so far this year, as a pitcher... Or I should say, let's let's as a hitter right now because it, it's so over the top ridiculous. He's right now at a clip of 279 uh, batting average. He's leading league in homers with 32. His OPS is 1.064. His on base percentage is 36.4 percent. Just ridiculous. All right, and I saw something on Instagram saying that he hasn't even taken. Batting practice all year. That's outrageous. That is absolutely outrageous. So, and now as a pitcher, he's four and one with a 3.49 ERA. His strikeout rate is pretty excellent. And his his uh ERA would have been better if he hadn't gotten lit up by the Yankees that one time where he didn't even make it out of the first inning. I mean, this is unbelievable. Unbelievable stuff. And the fact that this isn't a bigger story just goes to show you where the state of baseball is right now. I mean, it's uh, 10, 15 years ago, this would have been the lead story of every, you know, sports talk show on, on all the major networks. 
But right now, baseball is just where it is. And I, I get it. The NBA finals are later scheduled due to COVID. I get all that. But if he can't be the shining light that elevates baseball to a more national ranking in terms of the sports, in terms of how the media covers the sports and how fans cover the sports, I don't know. I don't know what to do if you're baseball. You got to do something because the fact that this isn't, you know, top of the line news every single day, he does something. I mean, he hits a home run every freaking at that. It's nuts. It's absolutely crazy. So shout out to him. And, and he's, he's going to run away with this MVP award. It's been done already. I, I think he may set a record in terms of the percentage of vote that he gets for the first place vote, but unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. It, it's something that, you know, I paid a little bit of attention to. I haven't paid a lot of attention to. Maybe it's because he plays in Anaheim and no one gives a shit about the Anaheim Angels. But, man, it should be a bigger story than it is. Okay, so now that I got that out of the way, a little NBA Finals. So let's take you back to the end of the uh, the Bucks hawks series where Giannis was out for the last two games with a hyperextended knee. Bucks take care of business. Go to the NBA Finals for the first time since 1974. Phoenix, first time since 1993. They've never won a title. The Bucs haven't won a title since 1971 with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Oscar Robertson. All right. And already going into that series, I was like, this series for me is way more likable uh, in terms of cast of characters than I've had in a while. All right. I did enjoy the first Warrior Cavs series. I even enjoyed the 2016 series. It was an unbelievable comeback by the Cavs. But after that, I haven't really truly enjoyed a finals like I'm doing this one because the cast of characters, whether it's the Chris Paul narrative, uh, I've come around on Devin Booker and enjoy watching him. You know, I'm a Giannis guy. So yeah, really enjoying this. So going into game one, it was unclear whether Giannis was going to play the hyperextended knee, which nobody liked to see. And everybody... You know, when Giannis went down, is complaining about the injuries. LeBron's doing his bullshit tweeting about the injuries, about the condensed schedule. And listen, all right, I don't want to hear it, okay? I don't want to hear it, LeBron. I, I ranted on this last episode. I'm going to say it again. The NBA Players Association voted on this. And if you look at all the injuries, these weren't some, you know, wear and tear injuries. Trey Young stepped on somebody's foot. Fluke, he stepped on a referee's foot, not even a player's foot. Stepped on a referee's foot, but that was a fluke. The Giannis injury, he goes up for a rebound. That's a fluke. Yeah, it looked bad. You look, brace yourself, and you hope that it wasn't a torn ACL, and thank goodness it wasn't. Uh, but yeah, so um, so Milwaukee advances, and it's unclear whether Giannis is going to play going into game one. Oh, by the way, and, and just one quick thing. Shout out to Trey Young. He gave it a go after he badly messed up his foot when he stepped on the referee's foot. He gave it a go in game six. He clearly wasn't right. You could see that the movement wasn't there. The burst wasn't there. I, the way I feel about Trey Young was kind of like the, um, the scene at the end of Anchorman where uh, Wes Mantooth is uh, holding Ron Burgundy's ladder when he's in the bear pit. And he goes, I despise you, but... God damn, do I respect you? Something along those lines. Well, that's kind of how I feel like about Trey Young. I mean, he's, I don't like the guy. He still has a piece of my soul, but I, I really respect the run he had. And, um, and I'm forced to look at him in a completely different light. But anyway, okay. So now we're game one. Giannis gets elevated from doubtful 
to questionable. So now you, you see what's happening here. You see that he's going to play. He's going to give it a go. And physically, he looked great. Physically, he looked great. Uh, he was a little rusty. It wasn't his best game. He had 20 and 17. He had an unbelievable chase down block, which looked a lot like the LeBron James block in uh, 2016 in the NBA Finals in Game 7. But for anybody who's comparing the two, I mean, context matters. You know, it's a Game 7 versus a Game a game uh, one. So let's not even put them in the same stratosphere, but it was just an unbelievable athletic play by Giannis. Uh, the fact that he's going balls to the walls when he's just getting back over a hyperextended knee where I honestly weren't sure we were going to see him at all. So yeah, so the Bucks lose uh, 118-105 in game one. Chris Paul put on an absolute masterpiece in that game from the mid-range, just carving, carving up the Bucks in pick and roll. And you're just saying to yourself going into game and the switching by Lopez looked bad. Obviously, you know, when you're guarding Chris Paul, who's not hunting threes like Trey Young would hunt threes, you got to play di- differently in terms of a switch. The angles have to be a switch. And also Drew Holiday at the point of attack should know that when Chris Paul's 30 feet out, you can go under the screen because he's not a threat to score from 30 feet out, but whatever. So. The Bucks just came out really flat. They came out really flat. Uh, the whistles didn't necessarily go the Bucks' way. Not that there was a, a bad whistle per se, but Phoenix just got a lot of calls and the free throw disparity was ridiculous. You think that's going to even out? So on to game two. Game two, Middleton was, came out flat. Drew Holiday has been absolutely dreadful so far. He shot seven for 21 at just bad turnovers and just bad shot attempts. You're just like, what are we doing here? And Giannis comes out in game two. And I thought the Bucks' energy level was better in game two. But Drew, Drew's been terrible, absolutely terrible. And Giannis plays one of the great games he's ever played. 42 points, 12 rebounds, three blocks. He had 20 points in the third quarter to make it a game, make it competitive, keep them close. But there was just too much Devin Booker. Uh, Mikael Bridges was fantastic. Chris Paul was great. I mean, DeAndre Ayton, who ran amok in game one, didn't really do a whole heck of a lot in game two. And you kind of saw that when the, um, the Bucks were leaning into the small ball thing, which got them back in the game with Giannis at five in game one. Well, they kind of, Brooke Lopez made adjustments on defense, looked better in game two. And honestly, at this point, the Milwaukee Bucks, if they want to get back into this series, they need to lean into Brooke Lopez being big and just going bully ball, absolutely bully ball. Because if Jay Crowder is going to guard Brooke Lopez on the block, Brooke Lopez, who's a very, very adept post score, that's two points, all right? As Shaquille O'Neal would say on TNT, that's barbecue chicken right there. Feed Brooke Lopez, figure it out for, for a 10-minute stretch where he's basically the guy just beating people up beating people up and the craziest stat about all of this. And again, and Phoenix played great. I mean, they shot 50% from three last night, 50% from three and only one by 11 points. If you're Milwaukee and Milwaukee has this thing and, and you've seen it throughout the series where they start off slow, I should say throughout the playoffs where they start off slow and it takes them a while to get into a series. And unfortunately, in the NBA Finals, when you're playing against the best team that they've played so far, it may not be enough. But if you're Milwaukee, you have to feel 
not great, but it's like the world's not falling, right? Because you're coming home. Giannis is going to get extra rest on his knee, and he's going to have to ramp up his minutes because this is the craziest stat, all right? In the first two games, Giannis Antetokounmpo, again, coming off what looked like a gruesome knee injury, played 35 minutes in game one, 40 minutes in game two, okay? 75 of the total, 96 minutes. In those 75 minutes, the Milwaukee Bucks are plus four, right? They've won those minutes by four points. In the 21 minutes that Giannis has sat, the Milwaukee Bucks are minus 27. Minus 27 in 21 minutes. That is unspeakably bad. Unspeakably bad. If Drew Holiday has been halfway decent in this series, on offense and on defense, Milwaukee would have won both games. Chris Middleton, who was great in game one, he didn't have it in game two. If he was decent in game two, Milwaukee wins these games. And maybe not in game two because it's hard to win when a team shoots 20 for 40 from three. But it's like, can my guy Giannis get a little help here? A little bit of help from anybody? And I know that this is the series where not having – and you wouldn't – Think it because Dante DiVincenzo isn't a great player by any means, but this is the series where it really hurts because this isn't the series for PJ Tucker. All right. PJ Tucker guards small forwards and power forwards who are getting numbers, getting buckets. That's not what Phoenix is, right? Their three best players are two guards and a center. PJ Tucker's got no one to guard in this series and he doesn't give you enough offensively. I mean, he has crashed the offensive boards, but he's not a good enough shooter. So to have to play P.J. Tucker that many minutes because you don't have enough depth in the guard rotation because Brent Forbes, I mean, he's a sieve on defense, and if he's not shooting the ball lights out, uh, he's useless. Jeff Teague minutes are a mess. I can't believe Jeff Teague got 12 minutes in game two as opposed to, you know, more Brent Forbes minutes and just hoping that Brent Forbes goes, uh, goes off from three. I mean, Pat Connaughton, was okay in game two. He was not good in game one. Okay in game two, but, you know, made a couple of threes, but in big stretches, like he missed a big three to get them to cut the lead from six to three, had a bad turnover, and then it kind of snowballs from there. It's just like Giannis needs a little bit, just a little bit. And Milwaukee is right back in this series. I'm a Giannis guy. I have always been a Giannis guy. I will not apologize for being a Giannis guy, that he's tremendous. He's so tremendous. And to anybody who watches these games and is like, oh, Giannis doesn't have a band, right? He doesn't have all these moves. Like the dude just goes out, gets numbers, covers for everybody's ass on defense as well. I mean, the help block shots he had last night were absurd. And you saw the one in game one. Giannis is a top five player in this league. It's not debatable, okay? And anybody who thinks otherwise is an idiot and doesn't understand what they're watching. He doesn't have, you know, all the shimmy stuff that NBA Twitter loves, but production is production. And if Milwaukee, and and there are things that they can do, and and Budenholzer, God bless him, he's so bad in mid-game adjustments that it's time for them to lean into bully ball, less P.J. Tucker, more Bryn Forbes and Jeff Teague and hope you catch lightning in a bottle from one of them. 
post up Lopez, like when Giannis has to sit a little bit, post them up, possession after possession after possession, make them feel you, you know, make the Phoenix Suns feel the Milwaukee Bucks when they're playing defense and, and just beat them up, beat them up in the post, all right? And Drew Holiday has to be better. He's the linchpin of the series. Middleton, he's kind of, as Ryan Russell would say, the 30 and 13 guy. You're not sure if you're going to get 30 tonight. You're not sure if you're going to get 13. Middleton is a lot like that, all right? But Drew Holiday is the most important player in this series. And if he's halfway decent, he's halfway decent, Milwaukee can easily get back in this series and win this series. They can. They can. Because all they got to do, because they've been tremendous at home, look at the home road splits in the playoffs. It's very, very conceivable. In fact, it's probable that this series is going to go back to Phoenix in game five, tied 2-2. All right, because you can't expect Phoenix to shoot the way they did on the road at home. So it's right there for the Bucs. They need one decent Drew Holiday game and one good Middleton game on the road and the Milwaukee Bucks to win this series in six and seven. I truly believe that. And with Giannis getting healthy, he's going to have to play more than 40 minutes. It's just that's the way it is. All right. He's back. He looks good. I know he's getting back in the swing of things. You couldn't have asked for him to play 45 minutes the first two games with the knee, getting back from the knee. But now it's time. Now it's time. Lean into bully ball. Lean into more Giannis. And Drew, you got to give me something here. You got to give me something. All right? You got to give Bucks fans something. Do it for Giannis, who's busting his ass to come back and looks as good as he does. So it's going to be super interesting to see now that the um, the series is shifting to Milwaukee, what happens? But kudos to the Phoenix Suns. They're 13-2 and two in their last 15 playoff games. They're on an unbelievable stretch. Chris Paul has been magnificent. Devin Booker was great in game two. He was okay in game one. Got a lot of um, free throws. But game two, he was great. DeAndre Ayton has... Opened my eyes in terms of the trajectory of what he could be as a player. He's been excellent. So I don't, I don't want to, you know, slight them, right? But it's going to be interesting to see what happens to go back and walk in. Shout out to uh, Mikael Bridges. By the way, uh, Philly fans, uh, I'm not sure the Mikael Bridges trade for Zaire Smith, an extra first-round pick, really worked out for you. But whatever. That's, that's a side point for um, all the process nerds out there uh, and the Philly fans who are drinking themselves uh, into a stupor after losing to Atlanta, which is inexcusable. But anyway, it's going to be super interesting what happens in game three and game four in Milwaukee. Uh, we're going to talk about it with the recurring guest in just a moment. These finals have been tremendous. Love everything about it. And one last thing, I love that Chris Paul basically went at LeBron's neck and said, stop complaining about the schedule. Stop it. It's enough already. So kudos to you, Chris Paul. Love how you're playing. Uh, and if he, in fact, gets his first ring, he deserves it because uh, I was out on Chris Paul for a while. The end of the Clippers years were rough. The Rockets years were rough. The year in Oklahoma City and this year brought me all the way back. Uh, so it's great to see him doing big things on the big stage. I love this series. I absolutely love this series. I love the cast of characters. And I can't wait to see how it plays out the rest of the series. That was that said, we're going to bring on a recurring guest to talk more about uh, the first two games and what's to come. Uh, for the next two games in just a matter of moments.
teased it a little bit before. We're bringing back on a recurring guest, somebody who's been a little difficult to get a hold of. Apparently, he's got some injury that he's rehabbing. We'll see about that. Uh, Mr. Johnny Nolman. Johnny, what's good, bro? Doing well. Hopefully, the injury's better so we can hoop again. But yeah, you, all... you, missed, you missed a good run last night. It's actually going to get a, uh, a review on Instagram, uh, Bucket Wednesday's review, even though it's on a Thursday night. That's awesome. All the power to you. Um, all, all I could think about right now is this stat, 12 for 37. 12 for 37. That's all I could think about. So let's Holiday and Middleton shooting um, together, shooting combined. So, let, so let's jump right in. All right. Um, obviously, I, I wanted to, and I talked about it in the monologue, I, I wanted to do a pre-finals episode to preview what I thought was going to happen uh, because scheduling, it, it just didn't work out. So I ask you this, going into the season, I mean, I should say going into the series, what did you, it, what was your thoughts? What did you expect to happen? And what's your main takeaway? after the first two games? Well, I, I thought it, it was like, it was all dependent on Giannis. I'm like, it depends how he's feeling, how he looks. And game one, he looked good. Game two, he looked freakishly ridiculous. So he's been pulling his weight, which is a really good indicator and, and something that I think even Phoenix Suns fans, everyone in the league is happy to see. Um, and then I said, the, the Bucks played so well against the Hawks when Giannis was out, I'm like, this is really a good op- – this is could be the best um, case for them. They come in, the role players are playing well, everyone's stepping up, and they could really compete. The biggest thing I was looking for, though, is how would they defend the Suns because the Suns – and this is what we've seen. Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker are bullies. They will get the switch, and they will kill you. They hunt you. They'll hunt Lopez, Cunningham, um, Portis. Whoever it is, they'll hunt you, and they'll kill you on the mid-range. Kill you. And that's what's been happening. They don't have an answer for it, um, as we've seen. Um, he's tried Lopez on every single coverage, the drop coverage, but he can't do that because that's giving up too much of a mid-range look for Paul and Booker. He's tried switching. He can't do that because even though he's not playing bad defense, but Chris Paul and Dan Booker just hit tough shots, and they and any bit of space on their side steps, they're scoring. Um, and they've tried, they've, and then they try to hunt Cunningham and, and Lopez played better last night. I thought, but Cunningham, who actually shot well for them last night, is a disaster on defense as well. So I think they don't have answers, um, for, for the Suns. They came out with a punch last night, a really strong punch in the first quarter, like holiday was driving, they were playing physical. Um, but they don't have an answer because the Bucks can't really shoot. They had like nine threes last night. The Suns hit 23s last night. They can't they can't go punch for punch for them offensively and try to play the game without scoring them because they just can't do it. So you said something interesting about Lopez, right? Because that was the big thing after game one that Lopez just getting roasted. He's getting roasted. And you saw in the last series when he was switching Trey Young, like Game one was ugly, right? Trey Young had his way. And then all of a sudden, Lopez kind of figures it out. And, and he kind of like the Bucks throughout this entire playoffs, right? I mean, they've lost game one in the second round, last round, this round, right? So it's just like, and they've gone down 0-2 before. They went down 0-2 to the Nets, and they came back to win. Now, I think 
Phoenix is a little bit of a different beast in this respect, but it kind of takes the Bucks and Lopez specifically on defense because he's not the most nimble of foot. Uh, a little bit of time to adjust. And, and you said something correct. I thought he was much better on defense in the second game because Trey Young and Chris Paul are two very different players, right? Mm-hmm. Trey Young, you got it. He's not going to pull up foul line jumper. And Trey Young's also going to be more willing to, to pull off the dribble from 25 feet out. I should say tw- even 28 feet out, right? Chris Paul is not is not looking to do that, right? So the angles that you have to take when you switch, because the drop can't work, right? Because Chris Paul is one of the great mid-range shooters ever, and so is Devin Booker, right? Mm-hmm. So the drop can't work. It, it's got to be all the way up, right? Because it also takes away the, the lob threat to Aiden. Uh, but the angles have to be different in terms of how you come out and, and what you're willing to give up. And I, and I thought the Bucks. You know, they played better in game two. I mean, they were they were flat and sluggish in game one, which was a little eye-opening to me. I mean, I, I obviously, they kind of got screwed with the schedule. Usually, under normal circumstances, there would be more time in between the end of the Eastern Conference Finals and the Finals. And it also would have given Giannis an extra couple of days because – while he looked good physically, like he just he wasn't ready yet, which is normal because we thought he tore his knees apart, right? Mm-hmm. And in game two, I mean, he was used tremendous. We'll, we'll get to all that in a second. But, uh, yeah, no, going into this series, I thought if Giannis can get back, I thought the Bucs can win in six or seven. And my logic was is that if Drew Holiday – taps into what he tapped into at the end of the Hawks series, then that right there is the difference. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, so far, that has not happened. Um, So if you're – let's look at this from Phoenix' perspective, right? I I ask you, Phoenix is up 2-0. Chris Paul had the master class in game one. Booker was great in game two. Uh, DeAndre Ayton was was great in game one, but wasn't a factor in game two. And I think that's because the Bucs can do some things and lean into the big lineup. And that's something I was going to ask you in a second. But what gives you what makes you feel really good going into Milwaukee if you're Phoenix, considering how great Milwaukee's played at home? And what gives you a little bit of pause if you're Phoenix going forward? Yeah, the the real the real. Um... The real thing is that the Bucks are are scrambling and the Suns make them scramble and scratch their head on defense and make them make quick decisions on defense that I don't think they're capable of making. So Budenholzer, I don't know. He's a good, he's a solid coach, but he's a terrible in-game adjustment coach. So they make those in-game adjustments and they just don't seem ready. I thought last night they had a better strategy, but they overhelped. On everything, every when they didn't need help. Let's say Lopez was on Chris Paul. He really had him three seconds left in the shot clock. And then someone would come over help. He would throw it to the corner, Bridges nail three. I thought the Suns just had not only you have to limit them to threes that they're actually creating off of those pump fakes or off the dribble. It can't just be wide open every single time. So I thought they had way too many open threes. So if I'm the Suns, to answer your question, I'm confident in my ability to keep making um, 
um, the Bucks scratch their head on defense and be like running around with a chicken without their heads on would be like, what am I going to do? Like three minutes left, two minutes left. I forgot how much time was up. Chris Paul just finds a wide open eight and cutting, rolling to the basket. Like they found a wide open Devin Booker for three because of an incorrect switch. Um, Lopez, then Middleton had, um, there was a pick on, um, on Middleton and Lopez didn't step up enough. Um, Booker has a wide open three. So there's just not enough communication. The the thing that makes my scratch my head is that the Middleton's been great at home in the playoffs. Um, He can't continue to be this bad. So when he plays well and Giannis plays well, it's, they could definitely go a little bit more punch for punch with them, but it's just so they need to figure something out on defense because as I said before, they're, they're not going to outscore the Suns. The Suns are too good of a three-point shooting team, and the Bucs are too bad of a three-point shooting team. They have to figure something out on defense. And also, another big concern of mine is, is just the Bucs to score, they're overpowering. They're going to the basket. They're going through Phoenix, which, which works. Don't get me wrong. That's, that's some strong mm-hmm. basketball. But it takes a lot of effort out of you. You see how Holiday scored yesterday? He, he, was, he was overpowering Chris Paul, which is great, which they should keep doing. But then he goes back, he overpowers Chris Paul, takes a lot of energy, and then he's full court pressing him, which you have to do also. These three guys are toasted from trying to go through them while Phoenix is going going around everything and playing free and open. And, and they have a lot more – that's a lot more energy-conserving way of playing basketball um, than what, 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 what the Bucs are doing. And it's just it, – it, it's tough to compete with a, three, a team shooting this way. If you're Phoenix – what you have to love, besides for the fact that obviously you're up 2-0, is the fact that you got to feel super confident in Chris Paul being able to orchestrate stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and Devin Booker being able to orchestrate stuff the way they are. What should make you nervous if you're Phoenix is, one, you're not shooting 20 of 40 from three in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And you only won by 11, shooting 20 for 40 from three. That should make you a little nervous, right? Mm-hmm. That's one. Two, if Giannis ramps his minutes up from 40 to 43, that can be the difference right there. Because this, you mentioned a crazy stat. And I'll let you share it in a second. To me, this is the craziest stat. Giannis has played 35 minutes and 40 minutes, 75 out of 96 minutes. In those minutes, the Bucs have won those minutes. They're a plus four. Mm-hmm. In the 21 minutes Giannis is off the court, they are minus 27. Mm-hmm. In 21 minutes, that's absurd. Absurd. So if you get moderate, moderate games from everybody else and either holiday or Middleton go off. I mean, this is two, two going back to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. So Pat, Pat, I'm just going to quote Pat Riley. It doesn't, the series doesn't start till the team went in the road. So, and, and that's really been proven true this playoffs. Uh, you've seen the Clippers, you've seen the, the Bucks do it. Um, it's, it's just it's definitely a true point. So we have to see, but, didn't you think Giannis looked super tired? Like he looked gassed more than I've ever seen. Like he had to come off the court. Like he was like walking and being like, I need a timeout and coming off. So there's something, 
where he's not going to – I don't know. It makes sense. He was was in proper game shape, missed about a week of of playing games. But what what hurt the Bucs in terms of scheduling, now having the extra day – you know, we were going every other day at a point. Now that the game's Sunday as opposed to Saturday, that's a big deal. Yeah, no, it def- it, it's going to help them. The three extra minutes, as you mentioned, is going to help them. Being at home is going to help Middleton. Um, but Holiday's got to get right. First of all, I just want to mention something. His defense is insane. I His ability to full-court press an NBA all-star, all-time point guard and turn him that way and make him be worried about stealing the ball – and then also his two block shots, one on Booker on the break and his block on Aiden were insane, insane. Um, yeah. got, he's got to just keep that up. Um, but but his, hold on one second. But his, as great of a defensive, as great as the moments were last night, I also thought that he wasn't as good as he normally is last night, even though he was better. And in game one, he was not good on either side of the ball. Right, right. Yeah. But, yeah, and then offensively, he came out aggressive. He he came out aggressive, which I do like to see, because sometimes he has games where, like, he just doesn't shoot, and he needs to be aggressive. But the real matchup there is I think he needs to get Chris Chris Paul right now on Tucker. They need to find a way to get get a switch on that. Um, And and, and get Holiday in the post or Middleton in the post on Chris Paul. Um, the problem with Tucker is that it's a weird it – can't. he's not really a three-point threat except for in the corner. Um, and there's just too many non-shooters in the court with Holiday's an iffy shooter right now. Um, Giannis can't shoot. And then Tucker can only shoot from the corners. You have too many ability – you have too much – the Suns could just do too much with that being able to help. So it just causes – a lot of problems. So is Tucker, does, what's Tucker's value in the series? There's no KD for him to guard. Correct. Yes. How, those offensive rebounds he's getting, he's, he's chicken arming most of them and just missing them. Um, so what, what's, what's his value? I think there's gotta be a little bit more creativity there. And like, who, who could anyone play instead of him? I actually like Portis. I have a feeling you do too, because of his effort. And he, he plays a little bit better defense on these switches. But I don't know if the answer is is going big. I don't know, but I think that they need some more shooting in that spot so they could get those switches where Chris Ball ends up on Holiday, and Holiday could do a little bit more of that in the in the post and drives. It's interesting you met, mentioned the PJ Tucker thing, and with that context, I think the the Divincenzo injury mm, yeah. may have really re- may really cost the box. And yeah. and everybody's had injuries, right? We, we've we've been we've heard this song and dance. I get it, but for this Bucks team, right? Tucker, as you mentioned, they don't have a scoring forward that that's gonna, that's going to give you buckets. And he's he, you know, Bridges doesn't have the usage to justify putting Tucker on Bridges, yeah. and he's just not a good enough offensive player to justify it, but the Bucs, you know, justify playing in that many minutes, but the Bucs are thin. Besides for Connaughton, I mean, you never know what you're going to get with Bryn Forbes. Like, you hope you get lightning in a bottle that he gets hot, but he can't play any defense. Yeah. Jeff Teague, I know that ain't the answer. They needed that one more guard. And if you're only playing seven guys and Lopez and, and 
you know, Tucker a part of him, it's just tough. So I guess let me ask you, if you're Bud, what would your adjustments be with the rotation? How how would you do it? Um, it's a great question. I think rotation wise, I, I want to try Portis. I don't. I know in, in the in the first in the first game they did give him some problems. Like they targeted him on switches, but I actually thought they made some really tough shots on him versus him playing bad defense. Um, and Chris Paul couldn't miss in, in the second half of the first of game one. So I, I didn't try that. And then the the other idea I have is, you, and this this allows you to get more flexibility with the rotation, is to go to try zone a little. Clippers on really stagnated. The the Suns when they went zone in um in game five or six, um no game yeah game five and they really came out flat. You got to go zone a little. They're a really good shooting team, so it's hard to guard the zone. But if you spread out and kind of Chris Paul is not going to come up. He's not Steph Curry and Trey Young, like you said, Porter is going to come take the the forty footer from three and nail it. He's going to be patient. He sometimes holds it a little bit too much in the zone. You got to be a little bit more creative on these defensive schemes to allow yourself to keep Lopez in and then find someone else and then find the Cunningham minute, Cunnington minutes or Forge minutes if they and hide them on defense because they they could hit shots and they and they create the space. I Cunningham went five for ten last night, which were, and he had some big threes. He missed some big threes, but he had a bad he, turnover and he missed that oh, big that three. Incredible. And he had that big three when they were down six to cut it to three, and he and he short armed it. Yeah, he, yeah, he's he's not an answer, but it's all, and Tucker really might be the best thing rotation wise that they have. They just need to find a way to get Chris Paul off of him. Like it's the same thing with Trey Young in last series. Trey Young was able to stay on him way too much. Like yeah. they need to find a way. And I understand he, he's not a threat in the three-point shots, but they gotta find they gotta get a little bit more creativity. And I, I think the zone is definitely something they should look at. I like the zone idea that you mentioned because for a guy as great as Chris Paul, who's who's seen it all, you can't just give him the same look the entire mm-hmm. game, right? Yeah. You just can't. He's he's way too smart. So so change things up that way. Um I would I would Put, I would put Tucker on the bench and I'd start Connaughton. Yeah. And what else I would do, and I know Lopez has been a little bit of a whipping boy, but I would lean into the bully ball thing. I'd lead into it and I'd figure out ways um, where maybe it's like to start the second quarter, right? You give Giannis the blow, start the second quarter, and you just post Lopez. You post Lopez five straight times down the court, right? And if they're going to guard him with Jay Crowder, you got to post Lopez. And if it's going to be DeAndre Ayton, I mean, the Suns have no backup bigs, right? Frank Kaminsky's playing. So if Lopez can get Ayton in foul trouble and get Ayton to feel what it's like to, to be hit, I know Giannis has been doing that a little bit, but like, I think you got to lean more into Lopez. I like the zone idea, and I play Connaughton. I'd start Connaughton with the two guards, you know, with with Holiday and Milton and Giannis. And and Giannis, like you, you demonstrated the fact that you're back. You got three days rest now. It's time to go 43, 44 minutes. You have no choice. You have no choice. Yeah, yeah. and what well, you just said might be the only way they could really do this is get Aiden into foul trouble, because um, then you're putting Frank Kaminsky in. He's not, and Craig, it looks like he got a knee injury, unfortunately, last night. Yeah. Um. So 
he's not an option on the roll. So he could really, really hedge high and, and, and really, really pound Booker and Chris Paul and not really worry so much about Kaminsky rolling and just assume that Giannis is going to come from the help and block the crap out of him. And, and that's a pretty safe assumption that's going to happen. But yeah, it's, it's, you got to get a little bit more creativity. And I, 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 I like the idea of, of, of leaning to Cunnington, but just to me, he, he always doesn't do enough for me. He doesn't hit enough threes. He throws a turnover. He misses a big shot. His defense, they hunt him on defense. So there are problems with him. They re, it really just might be one guy too short. And the son, I, I, short of like maybe LeBron when he was when he was hunting matchups against like Steph with the Warriors, I, and Kyrie was doing that as well. I've, ne- I've never seen this ability to just like find someone on the court and be like, "You're the weak man. I'm gonna go Booker or Chris Paul are gonna get after you and just and, and, and tear you apart." It's it, they're, they're bullies. It's scary. I, I would be scared to play against them. If you're if you're deploying Drew Holiday. Assuming, you know, they're not going to go zone, which we both think they should for a little bit. You're putting him on Chris Paul over Booker, right? Like 100% because Chris yeah. Paul is getting, he's not getting everybody. He's not just getting his own. He's getting everybody else involved. He's getting everybody comfortable and holiday's got to make him uncomfortable. I said, I believed it before the series started. I said, holiday is the most important player in this series. He's the most important player. If he's, if he's decent on offense and great on defense, the Bucs are going to win. The problem is he's been really bad offensively and has been and has been good on defense, but not great enough. And they need him to be great. By the way, that that's agreed 100 um, percent. His offense has been unreliable and they need him. They need him every game to play a good, smart offensive game. His defense last night made Chris Paul uncomfortable, and it really, really hurt the Suns' offense when they got they would get into the yeah. offense so late into the shot clock. Um, Chris Paul would maybe throw a flimsy pass, and 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 they wouldn't start the offense well. But with that, I I think Monty Williams is an amazing coach, um, and I think he's going to have a, a really good adjustment for that. I could see them like throw, like Chris Paul instead of fighting Holiday, just throw it ahead. And then get and then like run off someone for like a handoff and get the ball right back in the in the area he's more comfortable with. Holiday might be hounding him, but he, he's at the three point line out of the half court line. So I I think they're going to adjust to that. But if you're Milwaukee, you want that, right? Because yeah. you can't every second that Chris Paul either doesn't have the ball or or is starting the offense later is a win for you, right? Because he's he's the puppet master. Um, right. But what about I think you have to also the, um, think about this um, is what about playing? And this is just an idea is, is playing is trying to play Chris Paul differently than Booker. You don't have to act like Chris, like um, Chris Paul is this crazy three point threat. Maybe try going under, under, some screens. Of those, yes. under those screens and, and playing a little bit more flat on him and being like, Hey, if, if you hit seven threes and, and beat me, go so for be it. it. So yeah. be it. I, I couldn't agree with you more. So uh, that's my problem with Buddy is that try it, and he, he's so t- if you try something, he's so t- he's so t- he's so scared to switch mid game, and he's just so bad at these in game adjustments that some of these other coaches that we've seen do incredibly well. It seems like in the NBA more than ever is that you need a coach who could just adjust mid game in these tight playoff series. 
um, to win you these games, and he just can't do it. But be create. You got to be a little bit more creative in this, but yeah. you really do. I want to ask you about Giannis. There's a lot of Giannis slander out there. A lot of a lot of people on NBA Twitter like saying that oh Giannis doesn't have a bag, right? Like he's not like you know Giannis is ugly to watch, you know, offensively. All this stuff, and it's so ridiculous right it's just so outrageous I mean where are you at with Giannis in terms of his standing in the league because to me you know substance over over the actual flash and he's he kept them in the game last night he had a 20 point quarter right he's one of four guys to have 40 and 10 unfortunately in a loss in a playoff game the other three are Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, and LeBron James. All right, pretty good. So I, this Giannis slander is nuts to me. What say you? It, it's not as nuts to me because as from previous pods, I'm sure people have heard me talk about him. Um, but he, he's exceeded my expectations, and he, he's coming to his own. He, he's awesome on the, the le- going baseline on the left side. He's He's awesome going baseline. I like it's it's really a great move for him. He's really good in the post. His, his fadeaways are, are a good game. I like that. I like that he does take just jumpers, even though they don't go in just to keep the defense honest. I love that he doesn't. He's not scared to go to the free throw line like Ben Simmons, who I shouldn't even mention his name in an NBA um, podcast anymore. Um, it, he's really impressed me. But saying all that, you need two points in a tight game. Devin Booker has the moves. Chris Paul has the moves. You know you're going to get – KD has a move. You know you're going to get a good shot out of it. His bag, which is a good word for it, is dry, finding an angle and driving into it. And you could, you could wall it off. And I know he scored 42 points last night on 15 for 22 shooting. Incredible stats. But there is an aspect where Middleton does have to be that, that guy when you need a bucket to kind of make the move, hit the mid-range shot. Which he falls short of. That's necessarily true because you could just say you could just get him in the block and be like, "Go." It's a, they're gonna foul him. They'll go one for two, or they'll cut him off. Like there was a point last night where he was trying to drive, and I think Chris Paul was guarding Tucker, and he just really came over and helped. Well, and, that, I mean, well, that's the issue, right? It's it's the Tucker spy, as we said before. That that's the issue. He's not keeping them honest. Yeah, and I think there are. I, I'm not saying any. I'm just saying he's not of a – he's incredible. He's a top 10 player in the NBA. He's just not of that level where, like, in the fourth quarter of a tight game where he's going to get you a guaranteed bucket because he is a little limited on his ability to hit a wide-open mid-range shot and and hit and have some moves where he could just automatically get two points. Even though you could say to me, last night he looked like he could get two points whenever he wanted. But and let's that's not just, forget. That's how I feel. And let's not forget. He went toe-to-toe with Kevin Durant in Game 7. Yeah. On the road and gave you a 40-15-5 piece and getting and getting all those buckets in different ways. I just – to think that, like, he's he's not – like, I hear people who are, who are slandering the MVPs and he's not a top-five player in this league. It's just it, – it's insane to me. It's completely insane. Yeah, it's, it's besides be, for Durant yeah. and maybe Curry, who else would you rather have right now than Giannis? 
um, you said Kari, Durant. Um, I'm always LeBron, pro LeBron and always. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not at this age. Those he'll days have passed. He, he was injured. If you um, want to say Jokic, Jokic maybe. Kawhi, a healthy Kawhi. Um, I don't him, know. And I'd rather him over Embiid, though. That's that's true. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think I'd rather have a bunch of players over him. Not Harden. That's, I don't know. Harden? Not Harden. Okay. Maybe Trey. Maybe Trey. Oh, stop! Don't be ridiculous. Maybe That's a, maybe a, maybe regular season Julius Randle, but whatever. Stop. Okay. All right. We're getting off the rails here. All right. That's when we know. It's when we know. Um, okay. So the rest of the series, how do you see the series playing out? What do you expect games three and four? Milwaukee, how, how do you see this playing out? I, I think the Suns have it. I, 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 we, 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 me, you and I just came up with so many different ways what they could do, but we still fall short of like an answer of like, what they could really, really do to match a Sunfire. The Bucks came out. The Bucks played. They, they played pretty well last night. They came out with a punch, but the Bucks sustained it the whole time because of three point shooting. And then they just come out. They attack them when Giannis on the bench and just get after it. And I, I just don't see it. I think they'll, the Bucks will steal one or two because Holiday or Middleton will have great games. I think. I think Giannis. You have to, you have to assume that, like. And it's not just holidays, the entire Bucks team, like they've missed chippies at the rim, like whether it's tip-ins and all yeah, this yeah. stuff, like that's got to even out at some point, right? Yeah, I, I think it will. And I think they'll take one or two, but I just think they they don't have an answer for defensively. I, I think there's so many issues with how to defend Chris Paul and Booker and this overhelping business because the Suns have shooters, crowders, crowder was, I know game one, he was awful, but last night he shot 50%. Um, Bridges was unbelievable last night. I think he scored 20, 27 points on like 50% shooting. Um, and they just have a lot. I mean, their depth is slowly dwindling away the sun, sadly, because of injuries. But I, I just see I see Booker and Paul taking it taking away. So you That's say the, Suns and six? Suns and five or six, yeah. Wow. See, I think this goes seven. I hope so. I really I hope think so. it goes, I think it goes seven and uh, I God, Drew Holiday is really gonna really gonna make me look bad here. Um, but you've been you know, a Bucks guy from the beginning. You've, I have been. You know what? And may, and maybe I'm so emotionally invested in this, yeah. in this Bucks take that I can't just get out of it. Um, I still think they can win in seven. They need one decent game from Drew. And Middleton on the road, and and that's it. And that will be the difference. So I'm gonna say Bucks and seven. I don't obviously I don't love it. Um, but yeah, that that's my one last thing before yeah. we go. Yeah. In terms of a likability finals, right? In terms of enjoying this, how much are you enjoying this matchup? It's funny because most of my my friends who I'm learning maybe aren't real basketball fans, don't have not been into this series. But I'm loving it because loving the, it, right? The strategy and the amount of strategy that's like involved here, and how just watching Chris Paul like dissect a, a, a defense with them trying new defensive strategy, and then them adjusting and trying something else, and watching Booker come out and be a legitimate superstar, 
And this young core of this, this Suns team looks awesome. I'm super bullish on them going forward between Cam Johnson, Bridges, um, Aiden, Booker. And then watching the Bucs, and, and they, I've, they've had, they have struggled, and they're, they're not a perfect basketball team. They're not a good three-point shooting team, which everyone says. Um, that you can't make the finals that way. You can't be successful in the NBA without a good three-point shooting team. But they have pure grit, man. And and, and I'm like an, kind of an old-school guy in a way that like I kind of like that, like grit's pushing them versus they're just fighters. Like, they're like, fighters. Yeah, they really are. And, and it's, they, they should feel good. I know it feels it's going to – if they lose, it sucks, whatever. But they should feel good as an organization because one or two guys, you get DiVincenzo back, you 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 get enough, some more shooters off the bench, you get some more versatility in there, a deeper team, and they'll be uh, they'll be a really really big threat going forward. Yeah, because the, if they just work the edges a little bit on the roster, like it can be completely different. I'm loving this finals it's for awesome. all the things you said, I, and obviously I'm a Giannis guy. Um, it, it's the, you know, whether whether it's the Chris Paul storyline, whether, you know, watching Booker blossom into something that I was dubious of, uh, Aiden blossoming into something that I was dubious of. Uh, but also it's just like, it's refreshing that there are new faces, right? Yeah. Say what you want about LeBron. LeBron is a great player. He's not the most likable guy. And it's enough already, right? Your time is done. It's enough, right? It's just, it's fresh. It's new. And I'm enjoying it a tremendous amount. And and if the Nets were healthy, were they probably the best team? Probably. But fuck those guys, all right? They're completely unlikable besides Durant. And just uh, screw them. Screw them. This is wonderful, and I hope it continues. All right, Johnny, this was great, man. We're going to have to uh, – obviously, we'll, we, are, we, we talk and text all the time about this stuff. But get your elbow right so we can, we can get see you on the court, see that gooseneck going, and um, we'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks so much for awesome. doing it. Awesome. Have a good one, Aaron. I'll speak to you. Thanks again to recurring guest, Mr. Johnny Nolman, for coming on to talk a little NBA Finals. Good stuff from him as per usual. Hopefully he gets his elbow right so we can see him on the court a little bit. That's episode 117 for the love of the game. Take us out, Drizzy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.